Hey there, it's October 26th, and Alex and I are going to record episode 9, now that we're three days away from the start of the NBA season. Welcome to the Brosane Pistons podcast. It, it, it's been a little while since uh, the off-season news and analysis died down, but uh, now the roster is about to take final shape with one last cut uh, coming up and ready to roll for the season. We've got to talk about what to expect. So what are you expecting this season, Carl? Well, I... I, every time I'm talking to a friend about the Pistons, I'm trying to convince them why they should care. Like, uh, not just sort of the usual preseason rah rah for any like that any team could have, but like why should like anyone who suffered through last season when we had 29 wins, um, why should they give us a chance again? And we've talked, to, we've had eight episodes talking about various aspects. I think to me the biggest reason is the fact that we brought on Stan Van Gundy. Um, second biggest reason is that that Drummond is awesome and he's getting better and Stan Van Gundy could potentially help him get, get there and become an elite player. And thirdly, we made some re- some reasonable roster moves that could make a difference in terms of spreading out the floor. What about you? Like what's your like elevator pitch for why someone should turn on Fox Sports Detroit on Wednesday? Yeah, it's basically uh, Andre Drummond is a rising star who's uh, it's possible he'll be a household name in a few years. So he's really fun to watch. And then second, uh, we actually uh, have a pretty good chance of making the playoffs. We'll talk about our, maybe end with our final prediction about whether we'll make the playoffs this year or not. But we everybody agrees that we are in the mix for the final playoff spot this year, which means that we're going to win something kind of close to half our games, which makes it tolerable to watch. And then we have something exciting that we're gunning for. The games matter. Every win and loss matters a little bit because we're in that in that fight. And that'll give some urgency that we haven't had in the past few years. You know, before past seasons, we had um, you know solemn talk from the new owner about how expectations are high and all this stuff. But like, you know, we had this coaching carousel, and you know, I think people—it's actually believable this year. We have a great coach. We have a little, little bit of stability with uh, the same key players for uh, the second year in a row. Uh, we've added some depth. We've added. Some very sensible pieces that can, are good for our chemistry in terms of spreading the floor on offense and you know veteran presence. Uh, so this is long since read a lot past an elevator pitch. I think it's it'd have to be a, a penthouse elevator ride. But uh, yeah, this is, that, this that, is that, that's my pitch as it is. This is, this is Alex pulled the pulled the fire stop and they're trying to escape <laughs> now. But, uh, yeah. uh, and I think, and, and I think, sort of the old tired uh, understanding of the Pistons is that Josh Smith and Brandon Jennings are disappointing, and they're not going to lead us to be a great team. Um, you know, Josh Smith is a terrible three-point shooter, and blah blah blah. I think that I was—it was funny. I was actually surprised listening to the BS report where Bill Simmons was talking to uh, Zach Lowe, and then the other guy who's a professional better, who I thought was kind of a jerk. Bob Vulgaris. Bob Vulgaris. I mean, he's obviously very knowledgeable. But they brought up the Pistons. The only thing they said about the Pistons is, oh, the Pistons? Like, because he was, he was wondering why Stan Van Gundy would want to come coach us instead of go back to the Rockets. And he's like, what? So you can go back and coach Brandon Jennings? And it's like, well, he didn't even, like, he didn't even mention Andre Drummond. It's like, hello. Like, that's, that's what's exciting. Um, or the $5 million he's getting paid or the fact that he's getting the Doc Rivers deal where he gets the control of personnel and coaching. Uh, the, we we really had to lay out a good spread for Stan Van, and and uh, I think he was wise to take it. Yeah, um, but the other thing is that already we're seeing as the roster shaping up. I mean, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, Monroe. There was there last time we had an episode, Monroe had taken the qualifying offer, but we know a little bit more potentially, or at least you and I were talking the other night about 
you know, it's not, it looks like he might be coming off the bench, and that's a good thing for our roster. That that was one of the biggest problems last year is we were trying to uh, sometimes play Josh Smith, Drummond, and Moose all together, and that, that just they played they played really ba- poorly together. That ended up pushing out Smith to the three, where he was he was kind of outside of his range. Uh, so now he'll play power forward, and he's and that's a much better position for him to be in. He is a good defender. So um, if, if and, and be, given that Moose, I think it, I think uh, you were mentioning that he. It sounds like he actually had a max offer, but he turned it down because he he was uh, was afraid that we would match it, and he would basically be stuck with, in Detroit. So with that in mind, I don't feel so bad about. Um, having him come off the bench if we really feel like that's the best for our team. You know, if he's not going to be our future, uh, it's not going to be great for him uh, on his contract year next year, but um, he could play some meaningful minutes, still be a really valuable part of our team, but we'll be focusing on the starting duo of Drummond and Smith. Yeah, I think that's that's well said, and that's something to look forward to that's actually different this year, even with a similar starting lineup. Uh, playing Smith out of position at the small forward last year it happened, you know, at the beginning of the season, it was understandable. There were some advanced stats that showed Smith was a very good perimeter defender in Atlanta previously in his career. And so it seemed like it might work, but it didn't work on defense. And then on offense, we just, we've, as we've said many times, he just ended up with the ball in his hands 20 feet away from the hoop. And he just, you know, couldn't pass up the shot. So, you know, we're, we're, Going into the season, and, and it actually hasn't been set in stone who our starting lineup is. Van Gundy's experimented with a bunch of lineups, and then we have uh, we've had a couple of injuries where a couple of our perimeter players uh, have have been hurt, and and Van Gundy's been forced to use the three big men lineup a little bit. And then I think uh, so. So it's not actually set in stone. They've everybody said the right things about being willing to come off the bench. Smith and Monroe both said that. And I think coaches really have trouble. I, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but I've just observed that coaches um, really won't take a highly paid guy and bring him off the bench uh, in, unless it's a dire situation. I'm not sure why that is. Maybe there's a pride thing or um, something like that. But So it remains to be seen. Jody Meeks, uh, our big, uh, our most expensive free agent for this offseason, you know, he came off of hitting a bazillion three pointers last year from on the Lakers team, so he's a good fit. He has a some sort of compression fracture in his back or something. He's out something like the first twenty games of the season. Uh, I don't know exactly what the prognosis is, but it was like they said eight weeks a couple weeks ago. I don't know what that works out to. So that screws with our rotation and our depth at the wing, and we might end up playing Josh Smith at the small forward a little bit. Um, well, I, th- I think that I, I just read that. Um, Singler is going to get the start, this first start. Okay, so that at least means that Josh won't be playing the third, the three. Yeah, Singler and Karan Butler, another one of our free agent signings, are both clearly better small forwards than Josh Smith is. So, and then you know, we don't really have to. We don't owe Moose anything. I mean, he, if he just if we just admit he's a starting quality player, but we have to bring him off the bench because of a log jam, and he can just come in and dominate second units and. He's a free agent after this year, an unrestricted free agent, and can go wherever he wants. So we'll be auditioning him for possibly a trade during the season. Uh, there are a lot. Jalen Rose in particular was saying he thought that you know we're going to make a trade this year because we can't play the whole season with Smith and Monroe. Um, I think he thinks that we're going to trade Josh Smith and then re-sign Monroe, but you know I, I'm not sure 
if he has inside information or if that just makes sense or or what. But it, it seems that like around the league, teams keep looking and saying, "Sure, we'll take Josh Smith off your hands and we'll give you garbage back." Um, so basically, you know, Smith is being undervalued yeah. or properly valued, and we're overvaluing him. <laughs> well, who knows? I've I've been. In- I think I'm I'm bullish on Josh Smith. I mean, people have been bullish on Jennings. Uh, if, if I'm if I'm cynical about anybody right now, it's probably Jennings. I'm really glad that we have a couple of options to to, to like DJ Augustine and he, maybe even rookie Spencer Dinwiddie uh, to kind of not only rely on Jennings at the guard, but for I, I just feel like Josh Smith. For one, he's a good defender. He's a better defender than than uh, Monroe. And would you agree on that? that oh yeah, yeah. That that's. Pretty clear. He, at the power forward position, Josh Smith has a whole career as a reputation as being a, a plus defender, and uh, you know he struggled uh, guarding small forwards last year. But playing power forward, he's a plus defender. And Monroe is a smart player, but he's a little bit slow footed, so he doesn't do a great job going out and trapping pick and rolls, according to people who watch film and say that they know what they're talking about. I. That looks right to me, but you know what do I know? And he's not a rim protector. He doesn't get a lot of blocks, even though he's tall. He just he's slow and can't jump high. And other than that, he's great, you know. But so so he's not a great defender, and Josh Smith is is supposed to be a pretty good defender. And and so there's reason and there's good reason to believe that he is not going to be pushed out and taking terrible shots a lot. And um, in the preseason, I mean, there's been like a couple of games. I, I watched one game, and he was playing well, and he, and he he took I think he took two threes, made one. Uh, that's fine. Maybe you shouldn't take any. No, it's not fine. <laughs> but just don't I, take any. But any. But I, I remember before last season, the first preseason game, hit the first three he took, he made, and I thought this is a really bad sign. Even though he made it, this like that'll just give him confidence. Yeah. So uh, but, anyway, but I, I feel like he he hasn't had a chance to play to just be a good player for the I mean for the money we're playing him. I think he could be he could live up to what we're paying him. I don't think he's going to be an all star, but I think he could be a, a very good player. And I think, um, I don't know, I, I would just like to see him uh, you know, play well for us. And I guess if, if we really could end up with a tandem of Monroe and uh, Drummond, that would be cool. But as we talked before in the podcast, I, I don't feel like he's, he's, a max, he's worth a max player. Someone might play him, pay him the max, but for us to really uh, bet on the long, long-term future of him and Drummond, it just doesn't feel to me like that will get, to, get us to a championship. And I feel like you know, going with, so anyway, that that's to me. I would I would be happy if he ends up becoming a backup, maybe a good trade. Um, in the meantime, one of Drummond's problems uh, is foul trouble. So having another big man to be, to be ready to come in if, if Drummond you know gets four fouls in the first quarter, being able to play Monroe for a few a couple of quarters is really good for us. Yeah, it it it's never hurts to have depth and have a starting quality player playing against backups. Last year, uh, we had the opposite. We had backup quality players playing against starters uh, <laughs> sometimes. Um, yeah, absolutely. And talking about Brandon Jennings a little bit, you know, uh, Bill Simmons says he, he's expecting a breakout year from Jennings. Um, Jennings talked about the difficulty of having the coaching changes and having getting different messages throughout the year about whether he should be pass first or shoot first and all this. He's not, He's still a young player. He's still at an age where... You know, he's not going to start getting worse, and he might still get better a little bit. Um, and, you know, uh, Stan Van Gundy is a, a coach who turned, uh, like, five foot eleven or whatever, Jameer Nelson, into a guy who led a team uh, from the point guard starting position to the finals 
with Orlando. I mean, that team was built around Dwight Howard, but, um, you know, it, it, it's possible he could be used properly and be a useful player. And as I've said before, um, he's actually a moderately efficient offensive player. Uh, he just, he takes a couple of shots that he, that he shouldn't a game, but he's, he's not some sort of massive ball hog. He just kind of, we didn't know how to fit in. Our offense was a shambles last year, not just because of him. He, he didn't take the team on his back and create anything, but you know, he, he could be, you know, kind of part of this complete breakfast, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I, and, and, and if he is, I mean, talk about damning with faint praise. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, and he's not, to me, our fate doesn't sink or swim with him. I think we just need him to be solid, and he could. I think I could see him being solid. I could see him also being disappointing, and we have DJ Augustine as a backup. And um, we also, should mention that Will Bynum uh, is no longer on the team. We yeah, traded we, him last week for a for a backup center, Canadian big man Joel Anthony, who was uh, last seen uh, playing five minutes off the bench for the championship Miami Heat uh, a couple years ago. Um, but yeah, he's he's a non-factor, and we traded Will Bynum, who is going to be a non-factor this year, for a big man non-factor. Just just as a footnote. Yeah, another guy who can come in at least if, if Drummond's out with fouls. But um, but honestly, I, I've been excited about Spencer Dinwiddie. I feel like he was a a first round caliber draft pick. We got in the second round because he had a torn ACL, uh, and he's and unexpectedly like he. The, the sort of talking points when we first drafted him was like, don't expect him to play this year. It's sort of more of a long-term bet. He actually uh, played in a preseason game and played pretty well. I mean, in his first two, his first play, his first shot, he made a three. His second possession, he drove to the basket, uh, created trouble for the, for the team, and, and, and dished to Drummond for a dunk. So uh, And he had like eight points uh, on a high-percentage shooting. And uh, he's a 6'4 or 6'5 guard who can shoot well from the outside. So he he, had, he he potentially could be um, a, a higher caliber player than Jennings. So it's nice to have that in the back of our pockets. I, I wouldn't want to bet on it for this season, but just knowing in the long term future for us, that's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's nice to have something exciting in the pipeline at the guard position here, where we've got Brandon Jennings and DJ Augustine both signed for this year and next year. And then after that, they're free agents, and we could re-sign them. Or if Dinwiddie's ready at that point to take over the starting position, great. You know that's about the right timeline to have a rookie uh, graduate from, you know, just trying to figure out the NBA to be really being ready to contribute. So, yeah, but yeah, I mean, he, and he's like a he was a star at Colorado uh, State, I think. So I mean, he was he has the sort of the swagger, at least in some setting, to be a really great player. He's not really just like a role player, outside shooter uh, kind of guy. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is that I, I, the one preseason game that either was televised, the one that I caught, and was televised, uh, KCP looked really good, and Cantavius uh, Caldwell Pope. He was our first round pick from a couple years ago. The same draft that we that were some people were disappointed because we could have gotten Trey Burke, uh, and and he hasn't played great so far. But it seemed like this could be the year where he's a he's a big factor in making outside shots. Uh, he, he looked really good. Not only was he making outside shots, but uh, because they're respecting the outside shot, he was he was able to make a couple of good cuts and 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 get some backdoor passes, and uh, he's athletic and a two-way player. So uh, I, I think that um, Van Gundy likes him as well. So the fact that Jody Meeks is starting off the season injured, KCP is coming off uh, a, a more minor injury, but he he, might, he may be starting a few games to start the season. That could be his opportunity to, to prove himself and kind of prove to us that he really was worth. I think we got him the, the eighth pick in the draft. 
Yep, something like that. Uh, eighth or ninth, I can't remember. And uh, yeah, that's it's a good sign that uh, he's playing well in the second year. He projects to be at a minimum a guy who can defend his position and hit an open shot. And you know those guys are really valuable as filler. Around, you know the the filler starters around your your stars on your team. Um, you know, so that's not glorious praise where he's going to light the world on fire, but. At a minimum, he he really looks like a you know like a Jimmy Butler for Chicago or uh, what Tabo Cephalosha did back before he sucked for Oklahoma City. Just a guy who can come in and be a, a lockdown defender, and when somebody else creates havoc penetrating against the defense or inside, the ball swings around to him and he can actually shoot it. So hey, that's great. And and uh, between him and Jody Meeks. I'm confident we're going to get 48 minutes of competent shooting guard play, <laughs> which, which is, uh, boy, that's a that's a bumper sticker that should help, like sell like hot cakes, you know. <laughs> yeah. That, that that's that's actually the biggest um, change in our complexion this year. Other than whatever we see style wise from Van Gundy, what we what's changed on our roster is instead of just having a um, an arguably passable starter, and then who knows what happens when the bench comes in, you know, we have competent players to play all 48 minutes at every position. We've got Jennings and Augustine at point guard. Between the two of them, you've got NBA players playing all the minutes. I just mentioned about the shooting guard. At small forward, Singler and Karan Butler, NBA players playing all 48 minutes. Those guys aren't... Those guys are even uh, more mediocre than the, our shooting guards, but you know they, they've got N- some NBA skills and and uh, they're veterans, and they can make threes. So we have, and they, and, and they can make threes. And then we ha- we have a our real strength is in our big man rotation. We're going to get forty eight minutes of uh, near all star level power forward play from Monroe and Smith. And then Andre Drummond is was on Team USA this year, and he's one of the next stars. I mean, he's not a top uh, you know two center in the league right now, and he's got some work to do becoming a savvy veteran on defense. But just in terms of raw skills, we're talking about a guy who's you know, projected to put up like 14 points, 13 rebounds or something this year, and and he's and he's super young. He's still at the age of like a college sophomore this year. Um, so hey, you know, 48 minutes of NBA players on our team. Hey, that's well, uh, and and, and, and that was in that Wizards preseason game again. I don't want to read too much into it. I'm like, I watched a game. I know everything. But he, he <laughs> but Drummond, like I think he he made every shot. It was kind of like he was like seven for seven, and and he was. Uh, he had he had good. He basically has this jump hook uh, that you can tell he's been working on. And there were several possessions where they, unlike last season, where he he would get ten points just sort of incidentally because he led the league in offensive rebounds and has great hands or with or with easy dunks. They had several sets where they pass it into him, and he had uh, successful post moves over Gortat, who's not like a, a slouch on on defense. So uh, that was exciting too. So I think that's the kind of thing where uh, instead of him getting ten points just by Getting some easy, uh, some some great offensive rebounds and quick putbacks. Um, if people are actually looking to him as someone they're going to target on defense, that'll probably make it a little bit harder for him. But if he's able to be a destination on our offense, uh, it would be great to see him. Yeah, get fourteen, maybe fifteen points a game. He could become a fifteen and ten guy instead of a and ha- have a higher usage percentage instead of you know. I mean, I I don't even see him having as little as ten rebounds a game. Last year, he didn't just have, lead the team in offensive rebounds. He had, I, th- I, I may have mentioned this in the last contest, he, he had like one of the top 15 offensive rebounding seasons in the history of the NBA. I mean, it was just, wow. uh, he was just ridiculous at that. And 
he really kept us afloat sometimes with that, just to get those free possessions. Now, hopefully, we won't have as many misses to start out possessions uh, yeah. this year. But uh, so that that's our uh, our brief twenty minute elevator pitch. That we're, we, yeah. So uh, there's there's definitely reason to believe that we're going to be a lot better this year. We're well coached. We're, we are very unlikely to have a coaching change mid season and have you know the sort of the dumps that we had last year. Um, in fact, almost. It'd be impossible unless Stan Van Gundy fires himself or something, or the the owner um, really gets upset or something. But um, why don't we shift gears and talk about? So, how good do we think we can be? What's the sort of range we're talking about? We're we're not talking about going deep into the playoffs. We're not talking about building a championship team. We're talking about being a serious Eastern Conference team that has a chance at the playoffs, which is modest but worth watching. Well, uh, just to round up, you know, uh, the Grantland preview of the season with uh, Bill Simmons and Jalen Rose, they they thought the the Pistons would be the twenty second best player, uh, best team in the league this year. Um, you know, j- better than Sacramento and the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, just below where the Pacers are. Um, so that's that's not great, but uh, it's borderline. Uh, the Zach Lowe, the patron saint of this podcast, GrantLynn.com writer, uh, made a prediction. He wrote down, you know, 30 crazy predictions for the year, and one of his predictions was that the Pistons will make the playoffs. Uh, so that's that's what some of uh, our respected people say is going to happen. And, and and part of that, just to, to note, part, part of that prediction was almost in thinking other teams will, will be disappointing than thinking will be excellent. But I think, for example, he doesn't think the Heat will be any, that good this year. Like, we could end up being better than the Heat, for example. Yeah, that's right. You, you don't have to run uh, faster than the Bear. You just have to run faster than the guy you're with, right? Yeah, so uh, if, if other teams are worse. Now, the last year, the final playoff spot was won by the Atlanta Hawks with 38 wins. They went 38 and 44. And having a team that's significantly below 500 making the playoffs is part of why everyone says the Eastern Conference is a disgrace. But anyway, so, but, but uh, as we were talking about just before we got started, uh, the Miami Heat of last year basically split into two mediocre teams. Or, or I'm sorry, they split into a mediocre team and an elite team with um, LeBron going to Cleveland and then bringing one of the Western Conference's stars to Cleveland to have them be a contender. So Cleveland was not a playoff team last year, and now they're going to maybe win the conference. And then Miami still has Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and Luol Deng, and Josh McRoberts. And so they're uh, a possible to likely playoff team. So it just got a little harder to make the playoffs. Probably 38 wins won't do it this year. Um, so we'll just we'll have to see how that works out. Okay, so coming to... And the, the, other, the other thing, you know, we won 29 games last year, and 538.com, they're... Wiz, Wiz Kid basketball analyst did an analysis of um, you know the the stats of the players and what their wins above replacement should have been based on statistics. Blah blah blah. And the Pistons had the the most surprising underperformance based on their stats. Uh, they won sixteen fewer games than they're quote supposed to according to this guy's analysis. I'm not sure how much stock to put in that, but that would have put us at 45 wins, which would have put us in the mix for the um, the number five or number six seed. Uh, last year, just you know, not not even changing anything, uh, and then reasons to think we might improve. We've we, we replaced some terrible backup guys with some with some NBA players to play all forty eight minutes. 
Drummond and Monroe are young and will improve. And then we had we went from having a, a coaching carousel to having Stan McGundy, who's recognized as one of the top coaches in the league. It, you know, we're going to improve from those twenty nine wins, and and the question is by how much. Um, you know, I I did I just did a quick back of the envelope uh, analysis, just looking at let's take the players we have on our roster this year and plug in the numbers from how well they did last year. Um, so not taking into account any chemistry or any Stan Van Gundy coaching them up or anything like that. Maybe just doing a little bit of nudging up and down based on age. And I came up with um, 38 wins as what I think is most likely so you, uh, by, so tell me by my favorite about, method. Can you tell me a little bit more of that method? Of the, uh... Yeah. So the, there's a, a stat called win shares that uses you can calculate offensive win shares and defensive win shares based on people's box score stats and how the team did. And that's my favorite um, – offensive win shares is my favorite measure of how good a guy is on offense. Um, this is the best you can do without having special like play-by-play data that you crunch with a supercomputer or you know l- watching film. So this is the best that a, a casual fan at home who knows how to use a spreadsheet can do, in my opinion. And, um, and then defensive win shares tries to use a similar method, but it's kind of a mess because nobody really knows what makes it – a team defense good and this box score stats like blocks and steals certainly don't capture it. But anyway, using that win shares method, which I think is good on offense and a little weak on defense, um, just plugging in last year's players. So uh, the, the, the guys we kept getting rid of the guys we lost and adding, you know, Jody Meeks and uh, DJ Augustine and the other guys that puts us at 38 wins. And by the way, my using this method last year, gave a pretty good prediction for how we did. Uh, we, uh, we were pretty optimistic before last season, and uh, I couldn't, I couldn't get, I couldn't get that analysis to show that we were a playoff team last year, uh, even though my heart said I thought we were. <laughs> <laughs> so, but last year, but one thing I'm curious about is that so you you basically took the win shares from last year when we were a bad team, and yes. so if we had the exact same team, it would predict the exact same amount of wins. Yes. So so, so basically the the, the improvement of nine wins that you found was simply based on, on roster changes that was yes. made. So that, that's actually, to me... Roster pretty... changes, and then I, I think I did some sort of, like, you get 5% better if you're a young player, and you get 5% worse if you're an old player. I just did some sort of... But that barely made a difference. Yeah, basically that's only due to, due to roster changes and um, distributing minutes differently among different guys. Like, I, I think, you know... Yeah, anyway, so that, that's... So, the, you know, so, so that, is from, that is from bringing in people like Jody Meeks and... Karan Butler, DJ Augustine. Augustine. Okay, so to me that's really exciting because uh, I, I think that even without so, so the, the roster changes are are going to make us a lot better. But even just how people improving, and especially especially a KCP and Drummond, I think could really make a leap this year. Uh, you yes, take, you take absolutely. The, you take you take that, and you take um, the fact that Sam Van Gundy is an elite coach. Uh, and he can actually, he has the clout to get people to uh, play well and try hard, like maybe have a, you know, it's, it's pretty wishy-washy, but to have a winning attitude and not give up in close games and things like that. Um, I don't know. I feel like if if just the bare bones, like not taking that into account, put us up at 38 wins, um, I, I could see us getting to, you know, in the low 40s, which actually could be enough to make the playoffs. So I think... Um, oh, yeah. Um, I think that the that the odds and the the line has the Pistons at like thirty six wins or something like that or thirty or thirty four like something pretty low and I I, I think that's that'd be a good bet honestly like 
It would be well, a good the, bet. Betting the over would be a good bet. Betting the over would be a good bet. Um, I, but you know, being Pistons super fans, but uh, I think it, we can start. We, we're probably somewhat deluding ourselves, like being really optimistic about the playoffs. But I, I honestly think it's a possibility. I, I don't think we're just blowing smoke up our own butts here. Um, yeah, the 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 biggest case about the difference Stan Van Gundy could make is Stan Van Gundy took an Orlando Magic team to the finals on the strength of having the best defense in the league. And they had one Hall of Fame level defensive player in Dwight Howard in his prime, who was, we don't have anyone like that. Drummond is not that level of defensive player right now. But then they had a bunch of guys who had reputations as being well below average defensive players. uh, Rashard Lewis, Hito Turkoglu, J.J. Redick, uh, Jameer Nelson. And they they had the best defense in the league, and they went to the finals. So... Co- you know, and, and and coaching, as we've seen, uh, can make a big difference there. Uh, Tom Thibodeau being the defensive assistant in Boston that on their title team that had an incredible defense. Now Kevin Garnett is a Hall of Fame level defensive player, but they also started Ray Allen uh, and Paul Pierce, who who do not have a reputation as being good defensive players, and Ray Allen is bad uh, as a defender and always has been. And then now, then Thibodeau goes to the Bulls, and they become an elite lockdown defensive team. So, coaching can make a difference. We've seen it, and we don't know if it will here. And becoming a league average defensive team is a huge step towards making sure you make the playoffs in the East. I mean, that that would just that being an average defensive team would just be like unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to come up with a series of Brosie and bumper stickers, like. A- average defensive team, like real NBA starters, you know. Like. <laughs> Absolutely. So that that's the optimistic case. the The pessimistic case, I think, is using another whiz bang statistical analysis. The uh, ESPN.com used play by play data and did all kinds of crazy statistical analysis to calculate every player's individual. They call it. It's a stat they call real plus minus, and it, and. They don't disclose the full methodology, and I don't quite understand it. But it's it basically, you know, what trying to isolate what each player adds to the point differential of their team on both offense and defense. And if you take the same idea, take all of our players on our roster now and use their last year performance on that stat, you come up with twenty nine wins this year, just based on our roster of. It. So if if you think real plus minus is the, the their performance last year is the in some sense, the, their true value of what they can contribute, um, that's more pessimistic. And we still can think about chemistry and how much better will Josh Smith play as a, as a power forward with shooters standing on the perimeter instead of him being around the perimeter shooting and how much can Stan McGundy add by coaching. But you have a bigger hill to climb if you believe that stat. And they, they, they just released that stat last year, and we have no idea whether it'll be a good prediction. I, st- I still kind of like the other analysis better So a- a- as a baseline. So I don't know. Uh, I feel like, you know, there's a, there's a, like a 50-50 chance we make the playoffs this year, I think. So I'll just, I'll just go down. Uh, I'll just go on paper and say that um, Miami's going to beat us out for the eighth spot and we'll, we'll come in ninth. That's, that's my uh, official uh, going on the record prediction of uh, we'll be about, we'll be around a 500 team and we'll barely not make the playoffs is is uh so now I'm not doing my elevator pitch anymore. This is real talk. What I actually think will happen. <laughs> yeah, and being so that would be you know just under 540 wins, 40 and 42 kind of thing. Um, 
I don't know. Yeah. I guess to counteract, I feel somewhat similar, but I feel that it's it's likely that we'll be a, that we'll get about forty wins, be just under five hundred, and you know be the ninth seed or the, the the first team not to make the playoffs in the East. And there's like I don't know. This is like I don't even know why I put a percentage on it if it's just kind of a BS off the cuff thing. But I would say there's like a ten percent chance, you know, fifteen percent chance that something surprising happens, and there's some sort of like some of the parts are this the 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 team becomes greater than the sum of the individual parts based on what Stan Van Gundy is able to do. And and either KCP and or Drummond makes a, a bigger leap than people expect, and we're a forty six win team and we make the playoffs. You know that that's my sort of like that's my sort of like you're saying there's a chance like going into the season super fan mentality. I think that's entirely possible, and if that happens, I will become converted on uh, the value of coaching on influencing defense. Because again, you know, with all the I've looking, I've looked at the numbers and I've read stuff. I don't feel like I understand how to predict how good a team's going to be on defense. And uh, if if we come in and uh, we we win forty five games and we have and it's partly because we have a, a much better defense, um, then yeah, then I'll be a, belie- a Van Gundy believer, and we should double his salary, even though it's already among the highest among coaches. Now, if we if we win that many, and it's because KCP and or Drummond took a bigger leap than expected, well, then that's that may or may not be the coach coaching up our young players it may just be we got lucky and we actually you know dumars drafted talented guys and now that investment has finally matured so uh there's a lot of scenarios where there's upside and there's good stuff to talk about but if i'm talking about my expected scenario um i I think it's i think it's we barely fall short and there's there's downside scenarios too somebody important gets hurt um monroe is comes off the bench and is uh really mad about it and poisons the morale. He he seems like a good guy and doesn't seem like he has the character to do that, but you never know what would happen. It would piss me off if I he was coming off the bench and I was a above average uh, NBA player. Um, you know, and, and again it's actually not set in stone that we're gonna we're gonna bring him off the bench because we have some injuries on the perimeter and Van Gundy has not made an official announcement about that yet as of this moment. So that's uh that's what I think is likely to happen and what could happen. Uh, I'm I'm going to be watching with a lot more interest this year. I I, I fell off and, and started watching a lot less halfway through the season last year because uh, it was just a mess. Yeah, there was you know there was some maybe it was like 30 games into the season last year when we were 500 and we were playing better and, and it was after they you know they fired the coach and uh, it was it was at that point when things really fell apart. So this year is is looking a lot more exciting. Um, so anyway, why don't we wrap it up? Uh, Alex and I are actually going to go to the home opener on Saturday against Brooklyn, uh, and we'll be there checking out. Uh, un- Fortunately, they just spent, they just finished a three year renovation of the palace, so we're going to see a fancy new huge screen. Unfortunately, that means they're probably never going to leave Auburn Hills and go to Detroit, which would be even cooler. But uh, we'll be there checking yeah. it out. We, we can report on our experience. In the yeah, next- just from a commuter's perspective, uh, uh, it's very difficult to get to Auburn Hills from Brighton and Ann Arbor. Uh, compared to what it would be in Detroit, but you know they've they've been a part of that community. We have all our history at the Palace of Auburn Hills, so you know there's something to be said for that. But yeah, boy, I sure would like to drive downtown rather than to, to Auburn Hills. But yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll report back after we see it in person. 